Alright, coming to you live from MI6, it is the Movie Change-Up Podcast, uh, brought to you by the Movie Change-Up, don't know why I needed to say, brought to you by, uh, had a little technical difficulty there in the beginning, you know what, we've been doing this for over a year and I'm still getting used to it. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Joe Fricky, uh, along with Tristan Meyer and, uh, Johnny Dupe, and obviously, as everyone knows, I'm the biggest Bond fan of, uh, this podcast, so I thought, who better to host? this episode than me uh, I'm kidding actually uh, Johnny you're far and away the be- biggest Bond fan of this podcast uh, without you we wouldn't have done the whole Bond month this last month and without you I probably wouldn't have even seen this movie No Time to Die and that's I don't think I've said that's what we're doing today is we're doing a spoiler review of No Time to Die it came out this last weekend and so what better way to review it than like six days after it came out but what are you going to do uh, let's go around the room. Time to see it. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, go around and uh, let everyone kind of speak their general thoughts on it. Uh, I, I'll start. I really liked it. Uh, I'm very much a Daniel Craig Bond fan. He's my favorite Bond. And I would say I would, I mean, my order of favorite Bond movies are Casino Royale 1, Skyfall 2, Quantum of Solace 3, and No Time to Die at 4. So... Uh, it's my fourth favorite Bond movie. Uh, I thought it was a great ending to the series. It kind of ended how I predicted it would. Uh, I thought maybe the pacing wasn't as strong in the middle. It kind of, I felt like maybe they could have edited it down a little bit, but overall, really well done, except for maybe the villain. I thought uh, the villain was a little weak, but I really liked it. Tristan, what were your thoughts? And we'll end with uh, Johnny. Yeah, I'm uh, a big, like, I don't know Bond much going into this month. I'd watch. The Craig movies, I watched maybe one or two of the non-Craig movies in the background of my life somewhere or another, but <laughs> I had no experience with Bond, really. So this month was my first time really binging through Bond. So I started from the beginning, and I watched the first, like, three or four or five, and then I kind of went in a random order and just kind of watched whatever I felt sounded like a cool plot. So I kind of got Bond in a weird order, at least in my mind. Of just whatever one sounded cool I watched. And this was, for me, one of the first Bonds I watched in theaters. I saw Casino Royale, I think. I saw Quantum of Solace, I think. I saw Spectre, I think. But, <laughs> like, you could tell me something about those movies and I wouldn't have known them until I watched them here. So this was more or less my first time through Bond. And uh, No Time to Die for me was great. I thought the villain more or less had some flaws, but served his purpose in the plot and this was very much a, a Bond movie. It was about Bond. It was focused on what does Bond mean and what is Bond's role and examine that role in such a meaningful way that Craig's movies have tried to do. Like they've always tried to examine like what is Bond's role in society? What is his role in like a modern twenty first century movie? And this I think balanced an examination of Bond and also the like Roger Moore kind of fun action zany one-liner kind of bond so it had the best of both worlds and for me I like this a lot it for me it's number two of my Craig Bonds just a bit under Skyfall but above Casino Royale for me by, by a little tiny tiny little niche it's right above Casino Royale for me but yeah for me it's number two in, uh, the, uh the Craig Bonds number five of Bond overall so I liked it a lot I thought it was a fun kind of romp through Bond while also having the Craig elements of like examining examining Bond and what Bond means and what 
Bond's role is in the, a modern world. And so it struck both both worlds really well, and I liked it a lot. So I can't wait to talk about it. For me, it's a great a great Bond movie. And uh, before Johnny gets to his thoughts, one thing I forgot to add is me and Tristan just got done with the Revenge of the Sith drink along. So if we go on a nonsensical rant that makes tell. no sense, yeah, uh, yeah we're I a little we're that. both a little buzzed right now. So uh, Johnny, uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this movie. Um, you know i I was excited for it, and I was a little nervous going in. I was just like, I just want to love this movie. I've been let down by some of the big movies in the past, like. Batman v Superman and Justice League movies that I had been anticipating highly. This one lived up to every expectation that I had for it. I really loved it. Um, I I think this one is exactly where I wanted it to be, and I think it's going to be jumping back and forth um, with Skyfall for my third favorite Craig movie behind Casino Royale and, and Quantum. It's going to be No Time to Die in Skyfall. Um, much further ahead of Spectre, but right, going... Going back and forth, um, as far as like which one I like better. So, I I really loved so many elements of it. Um, there are a few things that I had some problems with, but a lot of it is nitpicking stuff, and I don't really care about nitpicking Bond movies as much as I do with some other uh, franchises or movies. The Bond movies are meant to sit down and have fun throughout. I thought this was the perfect finale for Craig and this era of Bond films. And I was so excited to see this, and now I'm so excited to see what they do next. But I, I overall, I was I was super happy with this one. I think it lived up to all my expectations. I got some stuff right, uh, got some stuff that you know I didn't expect at all, and were fun surprises, um, and a lot of good characters that they introduced in this one. Um, whether they fit with the rest of the movie or not, I liked all of the characters, uh, like the new characters, and I think they did a good job with a lot of that. So. They had a lot, a lot, a lot to love. Um, I just think they had to change some stuff because of coronavirus affecting the main plot of this movie. And I think they kind of had to backdoor, like, you know, go back and fix some things. And it may, maybe makes the plot not as sensical as it maybe would have been at some point. But I'm super interested to hear behind the scenes stuff when this movie starts releasing that because I'm, I'm so interested to hear about, um, you know, Phoebe Waller Bridge coming in, what she. Uh, you know, uh, affected with the script. You could see it, I think, a lot with the character interactions, but I, I want to know how much she actually wrote with the with the script and affected that. So I'm excited to see uh, what comes next in terms of what this movie and stuff released and, and the next Bond. But yeah. yeah, perfect finale for Craig and a great love letter to the James Bond franchise as a whole, I felt. Yeah, and uh, if you... I don't know why I'd be watching this if you didn't see the movie, but kind of the general plot of the movie is there is a virus that can attack certain individuals and it's kind of encoded and you can encode this virus to people's DNA and attack, you know, whoever you want and you can release it and it will slowly go through people and eventually kill the person you want to kill. And, uh, Bond has to stop it. And, uh, so I like that aspect. It felt different. I I like the. I feel like a lot of the Cold War aspects of oh, we got to stop this nuclear missile. Like people aren't really afraid of nuclear missiles like they were in the '60s and '70s when those Bond movies coming out. And that one of the things I thought was interesting is I saw uh, an interview that uh, 
I can't remember her name, but it's the broccoli that's in charge of the Bond films now, basically Barbara. said, is like, is what, yeah, Barbara Broccoli was essentially saying that, like, a lot of the Cold War stuff doesn't work anymore, and she wanted the Bond movies to focus on stuff that people will be afraid of potentially two years from now and make the Bond villain plots reflect that. And she was just about a year and a half too late on that plot. Uh, so I think I think there would have been a lot of conspiracy theories based around this movie if this movie hit its original late 2019 release date. Yeah, I think there's a weird element to this movie where there's that whole plot of like a conspiracy virus that's unleashed to target specific individuals and it's like injected into your DNA to target specific DNA. Like <laughs> it's bred for a conspiracy in a time that it could never have predicted. So. I understand why they had MGM had predicted like, okay, we're going to delay this movie. Cause this was one of the first movies out of the gate to say, okay, we're going to push back uh, a year almost like a few months, at least Yeah, we're going to delay. And at first Hollywood was like, okay, that's exaggerated. That's way too much of a delay. And of course now we look back and think that was not enough. <laughs> so no time that I was ahead of its time in that regard. So it, it definitely ended at a, a weird time with that plot of the virus and the whole like manufactured virus. It was a hard, it was a, it was a weird time to release, but yeah, I like that plot. Theoretically, I think the villain is weak overall. I think the yeah. villain is kind of the weakest part of this whole movie overall. Where I like Craig's run, I like the emotional dynamic of that. Like he has this woman that he's tied down to. He has this woman that is what he wants. He has this peaceful life, and yet he can't let go of that. And he has this specter moment at the grave of Vesper where he's pulled back into the action. And he's he has that car chase where he's letting go of, of, of his his uh, life, wife at the moment. But I got in that, in that moment, like, he was already prepared to do that. Like, he had for this whole entire run of his life with her, he was ready to let go of that. And... I I liked the element of this opening sequence where he he felt like he was ready to let go of what he had and there was emotional complexity there where he he loved her and you could you could see that he wanted to be with her but at the same time he was ready to let go and run away at any second he was not ready to let go of that fear and that was something I loved about the opening of this movie it was it's not <laughs> I went on a tangent you know we we, we went on a a drunken watch of friends of the sith like you mentioned but yeah i the opening sequence for me was what really brought this movie together for me it, you really i for me i bought into bond in that relationship i bought into her in that relationship i bought into them wanting to let go of that past and move on and not being able to so for me that was what really brought me into the movie from the beginning and yeah johnny tristan uh, brought up the villain and i think one of the main my main problems with uh, the villain, Saffron, is uh, his motivations were never fully clear. Like, he took out Spectre with the virus, and then after that, he kind of... My take on it is he was more just going after all of the people in intelligence around the world and all of the people in the spy game because he felt like that was the people responsible for his family's death and kind of... And that was who his targets were, but it was never fully explained. And I feel like if they had explained that more and that was shown as more of his intention, it would have been better. But what are, what were your thoughts on Saffron and Rami Malek as the villain? 
You know, I I think um, the villain itself, it was the perfect, you know, we're getting into all the spoilers on this. So I yeah. think he was a good villain to bring about the death of Bond. Um, because I think it's very Bond that he goes up against these big personality villains. Like in the past, you look at Goldfinger, you know, in the old school movies and you get Max Zorn to the world and then you get Silva and Skyfall. I think it's fitting for Bond to his downfall or demise to kind of come from like an understated villain. So I, I thought that was kind of clever. I didn't fall in love with like Rami Malek's performance um, by any means. I thought he was okay, but I just don't think he's a great actor. Um, he won an, he won an Oscar for lip syncing with a mouthpiece. Um, and he's going to get a lot of roles because of that. But I just think year after year, he continues to show that he's just regressing as an actor. Cause I liked some of his earlier stuff, like in uh, short term 12 and things like that. But I just think they chose the wrong actor for the role. I would have liked someone um, just if they wanted to go like the soft spoken, creepy guy, like, a, like it's tough because Paul Dano is about to be the Riddler, but I read I would have liked to see an actor of that caliber in this same role, even with the same dialogue, I think could have carried that overall stronger um because i do like the way they went with the villain i also would have liked him to feel a little older because i didn't like that i loved the cold open and i loved that he you know had this relationship with madeline swan that was so personal but it felt weird to me that like he seemed like a full-grown adult going after her like her as a kid and then he seemed either her age or younger than her like Mm -hmm. by the time it gets to the end so i thought that was weird i'm like okay Unless they had some weird sci-fi element, this guy, because of his the poison in him that scarred him up, doesn't age him. Like I thought he, the role was meant for maybe like a, I don't know, like a Peter Sarsgaard or something of that nature. Someone like I almost think like a Benicio del Toro or someone like that in that role. It's like this quiet, subdued guy would have worked better. Yeah, yeah, I think Rami Malek is a bit young. Actor choice, yeah. That was the main thing. Even just like his performance, I, I got where he was going and that didn't take me out of the movie at all. Um, but I just think like, just look wise, you could have done something a little more, aged him up, had a different actor in that just would have made me buy the character. But I liked the plot. I wish it got more into who he was targeting after Spectre and it doesn't. And I think that might've been something they either reshot or cut out due to COVID and like you said with conspiracy theories if it was going after high-ranking government officials or things like that to give people with um, you know like where he came from with his background more of a chance to be someone in the world and going after but like you said like they might have been like we don't want conspiracy theories of coronavirus mm-hmm. co- coronavirus taking out <laughs> and there was high-ranking like government officials I would have liked it just what they should have done after that you could have just made it his next target was MI6 all you had to do was really specifically mention that and it would have made it feel more personal for bond at the end in terms of what this mission actually meant other than i'm here to save madeline and matilde it would have meant something that he's targeting mi6 next and then yeah i got to the end and i felt kind of lost like i was at moments where i thought like what are we even doing right now like what is the plot (laughs) like there was uh Jenna Craig is kind of like racing, racing against the clock at the end. Like he has to launch his missiles at the last second because he has to do it with like seconds to spare. And I never quite bought like, why is that so urgent? Like, 
why is this whole plot so urgent? I I think yeah. that was something that I never quite bought into. Like the stakes and the urgency of the whole plot was something that was, for me was a weak point. And then he also yeah, had he, that weird line to uh, Lashana Lynch's character, like, oh, I could wipe out your whole race if I wanted to. And it's like they brought that, like, Q brought that up as, like, an option for this virus of, like, things it can do. But then he just had that weird random line of, like, okay, I never got, like, a racist, like, vibe from this character until now. So I'm like, okay, was that, like, a dropped plot point that he was maybe, like, some kind of racist, you know, supremacist type character. Like uh, that line just felt out of place for me too. And then it just kind of added to the whole confusion of what his motivation was. Especially because that scientist that says that line, the whole movie is like used as a comedic character. And I thought he was good in it. It it didn't really fit with the rest of the movie, but it brought some fun to it. And I kind of liked that element. It reminded (laughs) me more of like a Roger Moore era character, um, like side character that you'd run into. But then that line did feel so out of place. Um, yeah. And it was just like, this has to be from two different scripts. Like, I don't see the connection here. Yeah. So I think it w- should have been, and like Tristan said, the sense of urgency. Okay, they find out that they're mass producing this virus here, but it's not like he runs into a plan of, yeah, it's a missile silo. They're about to launch this thing and it's going to, you know, infect these countries. Like, and he has you know, nine minutes to basically save the world. It never felt like they gave those stakes of you need to do this now. Sure. They had the opening the blast door stuff, but it was like, why can't bond just open the blast doors, leave the Island easily. And then they launched the missiles. Like there was no, it, it, the urgency wasn't there in terms of that. I think that was the only thing that kind of fell a little flat plot wise for me. I, I loved everything mm-hmm. else. I love the way they ended it. But I think they could have just done a little better job kind of mopping up that stuff and connecting things. Um, I felt the same way about, uh, I don't remember his name, but the henchman with the uh, the fake eye. Cyclops. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of weird to me that, so he's working for Spectre and he's Blofeld's guy. He's the one that Blofeld is seeing out of his eye and seeing where everything is. But then Spectre all gets killed by the virus. So that guy's fine. And the next time you see him, he's working for Rami Malek. And you're like, at what point did this guy switch sides? Because he wasn't on, he didn't know, he didn't seem to know that Spectre was about to be wiped out when um, the scientist was switching the chips on the computer. So, like, I had a lot of questions about his character, too. I didn't think that logically made much sense. And also, to me, he looks so much like Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver that every time he came on screen, it, like, slightly took me out of it. I didn't think that, but <laughs> now that you say that, I'll have to rewatch it. And with that, but like every mind. time he had like the same exact like kind of like mohawk type haircut. Like every time, I'm like, you look exactly mm-hmm. like Robert De Niro. But one of the other big aspects of this movie was uh, James Bond's a daddy. So uh, uh, everyone's thoughts on that, and like if you saw it coming ahead of time, because for me there was a moment and there was a moment with Felix before Felix dies where he's talking with Felix and Felix like, Oh, after this mission, I'm going to go and hang out with my family. Are you going to hang out with your family after this? And bond kind of has like a remorseful look because we all know like bond doesn't really have a family. And that kind of stuck out for me. And then you have the scene where, uh, they're talking about the virus and how the virus can affect, in fact, you know, because it's attached to your DNA, it can infect your entire family and kill your entire family. And I'm like, well, that seems important. And then I immediately thought that no one, no one in this movie has a known family member. Uh, everyone else. So I'm like, I don't know. 
And so that stuck out to me. And then uh, Madeline came back like in the next scene. So I kind of put the pieces together that, oh, there was a moment where Bond seems remorseful. He doesn't have a family. There's a virus that can infect your family. And, oh, Madeline's back that he hasn't seen in five years. So my my immediate thought was that uh, Madeline probably has Bond's kid. But I want everyone else's thoughts on uh, uh, Bond being a daddy. And uh, we'll start with Johnny. I I thought um, I didn't make the I didn't think that Bond would have a kid up until they showed a kid and yeah. then I was like, well that's definitely Bond's kid and that's definitely <laughs> the secret because it was easier to piece together after the movie but then I realized okay so when they're talking about burning up their secrets at the beginning Madeline had wrote out Mathilde's name and that didn't really stick with me until I watched it all the way through basically and then I was like oh yeah I remember like seeing the name and not knowing like what that meant because um, you see what she writes and okay. I, you know I, it said Matilde clearly and then I think it said like a last name I don't know if it said Bond or Swan or whatever it might have said but I, I remember it saying that um, and you know I, I thought okay this is Bond's kid and what I've always wanted to see in a Bond movie what I pitched and lost early on in the show before we really got there was Bond in like a Home Alone style yeah I remember that never I'm... I remember yeah, that pitch as I was it. watching the movie and I'm like, I feel like this mm-hmm. is a move Johnny would really like. And I'm, I was kind of yeah. upset for you almost that there wasn't really more with Bond and the kid. I would have liked a little more with Bond protecting the kid. I liked the, I thought the kid actor was amazing. I thought yeah. she was incredible and she really carried like a character that really wouldn't have had much weight with how much screen time they really gave to her. You immediately fall in love with her because she's like the cutest little girl in the world. And like the actress that portraying her was was just perfect at it. I loved the scene when Rami Malek's character basically is like, okay, come with me or go on your own or whatever. And she just looks at him and then turns around and walks away. And then yeah. I was just like, all right, I'm sold on this character. Like yeah. I just, whatever happens, she needs to live, yeah. you know? And I didn't think they'd call a kid in this movie or anything, but yeah, I liked it. I liked um, the reluctant father type of thing. And then you have him grow this connection that in a two hour, 45 minute movie that felt a little rushed and i think they could have done more with that but i really loved the scene of them in the woods because it just felt more personal bond taking out everyone coming at them in like the foggy woods i thought that yeah. was the best it, like action sequence of the movie it reminded and me the, uh, and the cold open that ending wood sequence definitely reminded me a lot of the end of uh, logan with him running mm-hmm. through the woods yeah and I, I think this movie had a lot of Logan elements, and I, I wonder how much Craig, you know, saw Logan. He's friends with Hugh Jackman, and you know, saw you see Infinity War, you see Logan, you see Tony Stark's death and Wolverine's death at the end of these franchises. And I feel like Craig wanted that moment, yeah. and they gave it to him. And and I, I um, now after all these speculations, like that seems to be why Danny Boyle left. There was a lot of speculation of, oh, Danny Boyle wants to kill him, and the studio got rid of him because of that or you heard the opposite reports that Danny Boyle wasn't the one that wanted to kill him he didn't want to be known as the director that killed Bond and the studio you know that is why they parted ways and now it's clear that obviously the studio wanted this to be the way that it ended Craig wanted this to be the way that it ended and Danny Boyle just didn't want that to be you know his Bond film Um, but I'm glad they did it that way and I think it it worked and I think it meant more that Bond had a kid um, because they did a lot of stuff that you hadn't seen in a Bond movie before. You've never seen Bond die. You've never seen Bond have a kid. You've never seen so much just until this version of Bond, you've never seen so much continuity between films. So you let yourself 
while Spectre was disappointing, you opened yourself up to have a solid finale. And I think, I think they nailed it with some of those elements and, and knowing that Bond was like the dad, that was like the immediate moment that I knew he was dying. Cause I was like, Oh, well now I know it's a virus and I know he's got a kid and Madeline's involved and like, he's going to go and get infected and end up saving the world. Like I, I predicted on the end of our bracket show um, last time we were together on here, but that like moment of the kid, it was like heartbreaking for me because I'm like, I love this little kid, but that just confirmed to me that you're going to kill off Craig and I don't know where you're going to go with it. So that was kind of like mixed emotions, but I think it worked out in the end. I just would have liked a little more of a relationship between Mm. Mathilde and uh, Bond by the end of it. No. Tristan, for me, there was okay. a there was a lot of legacy in this movie about like what does James Bond mean? What does James Bond leave behind? Like, what does it mean to live a life that is a spy that has all this impact behind the scenes that no one sees? And Felix dies, and I think Bond has this moment of like, okay, did Felix matter? Does Felix mean something? Like, Felix was this very impactful force behind the scenes that no one knew, and yet he died drowning with no one to see him and no one to celebrate him and i think that impact that moment impacted bond really deeply all the way to this moment where he sees his daughter and he sees this legacy living beyond him and he wants to go out with some level of legacy he wants to go out knowing that he meant something like when he meets the new 007 she has a quip about like oh i bet you thought this number would be retired and i think he kind of did he thought that like he meant something so much that he would like live beyond himself and this kid is the first time in his life that he really could live beyond himself and he really could be more than just this guy he goes down and does spy missions and has sex with women and does cool stuff and then goes on and does like this means nothing after that and i think a lot of craig's movies have been about bond finding meaning among that that like spy mission and whether it was vesper whether it was natalia whether it was any any character he's whether it was m with like he he was able to find meaning among his actions and i think that was something for me like i love this movie i think it was one of craig's best for me because it hit all of Craig's emotional moments, hit that, like, he wants to be this human, he wants to have this, he wants to have this legacy that this daughter that lives beyond him, and he, in some way, doesn't know that he wants to just be this spy that that's just, that does these missions and goes on and on and on, but for me, this this mission, this movie had the mix of both, it had the Craig's, like, humanist, like, I want to be this real Bond, this Bond who wants to get beyond, like, oh, I'm a spy, I'm going to have this family, I'm going to have this legacy, I'm going to have this daughter. But also, like, this Roger Moore kind of quippy, kind of fun, I'm forever in this spy role. I love this movie for me in the way that it balanced both of that. And I think Bond's daughter fully embraces that. Like, he wants to embrace this life as a father, as a member of a family, as someone who just lives a normal life. But at the same time, he's called back to this level of action he wants he's called back to sacrifice himself and to do this larger than life thing i i bought into that relationship and that father and daughter relationship in a way that i never thought that i would and one of the things i did like as far as like the callback and like um 
the series of Bond as a whole, the idea that James Bond died at a Cold War missile silo was kind of like a nice kind of t- callback to him being this Cold War era spy, I thought was was a nice touch. Yeah, and and because I'm not going to be on for this whole thing, and I hope you guys keep going when I'm done, but real quick, a couple things I want to hit on before yeah, I yeah. go. Just what, what it, for you guys, what was... Um, because we kind of mentioned just some plot holes and I think those were like my only negatives I took away from it. Um, but I really want to highlight the positives. What do you guys think, like if you had to narrow down one or two specific things you thought were the strongest elements of this movie, what do you think those those were? Um, Joe, we'll start with you. Uh, one of the things I would think was like the strongest was almost like the interpersonal relationships and the relationships between the characters, whether it's kind of the bickering between M and Bond. Uh, I thought... Uh, the somewhat the relationship between um, Blofeld and Bond was better in this movie. I mean, he only had a short appearance, but I kind of like their conversations with each other. Obviously, uh, Madeline and Bond, and then obviously Matilda and Bond, and Matilda and Madeline, and just kind of all of the, and especially uh, Q and Money Penny with Bond as well. I just like all of the kind of mini exploration of all of these kind of inner relationships with all of these characters of Bond and Moneypenny basically showing up to Q's door and he's about to go on or he's about to have a date but he still helps them because you kind of see that regardless of them just like working together and going on missions that they're all friends and I think that to me was one of the big highlights is anytime you saw two characters kind of interact and have this dialogue with each other and seeing the relationship was my favorite part and it was just kind of this constant throughout the whole movie Alright Tristan? I want to highlight two things. For me, the one was Madeline and Bond. In the previous movies, Madeline was never quite a character that worked for me. Like, I understood her role in the story, but I never quite bought her as the woman that Bond would love and the woman that would turn Bond to be like, okay, I got to, like, live my life for her. And for me, this movie somehow or another, like, turned me around on Madeline and brought me into her character and made me think, like, okay, this is a character that I could actually see Bond buying into and wanting to be spend his life with. And I lo- I like that a lot. I also want to mention uh, Anna de Armas in this whole element oh, of like, yeah. uh, Bond kind of stepping away and this new generation of 007 stepping up. And I thought Anna de Armas, her role and her whole sequence in that sort of like casino hall was one of the highlights of the movie for me. And, Ana de Armas was one of the best characters, I thought, of this whole movie. And I thought that was a great sequence for Craig's Bond, where in like a Connery Bond or in a Roger Moore Bond, that would be a character that Bond would seduce and sleep with. But in Craig's Bond, he's kind of matured beyond that. Like he's stepped beyond like the seducer, the guy who sleeps with women and doesn't think about it beyond that. Like he just sees Ana de Armas as like a fun character. A person to do this mission with and I thought that was a really great sequence and I would love to see more of her in whether it's a Amazon series or a new movie or what it was I I think her character is kind of right for a spinoff and that sequence was really fun for me seeing Craig kind of like handing off his time not just to a new 007 but to like this other agent who's doing like this she said she was like three months new or whatever through her new position and she's kind of new to the spy game and I like seeing him have fun with that new agent and heading off his baton as his train agent to this new kind of new blood under Felix yeah. of uh, Anna Dermis' character. Yeah, and one of the 
things I liked about her character and like a moment that would where he was like about to put on the suit and like take off his clothes that he had on to put on the suit that would normally cut to like a sex scene in a previous Bond movie. She's just like, yeah, just uh, put on the suit so we can go. Was I thought I thought was kind of like a funny moment and for me another moment that I liked that I would add is uh, Felix's death scene and him and I thought they had a, like to go back to another, funny moment. Yeah. I don't know if I'd say funny, but like a good moment is Felix's death scene that I would, that I think also tied to Vesper's death scene in the original with them drowning and then, uh, but also just kind of their interaction relationship. And then also I thought uh, Felix's partner, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's in uh, Aladdin. And I thought that was perfect casting because I bought him as like this Billy Magnuson. Billy Magnuson, yeah, yeah. I thought he was perfect casting for Look this Mormon. Yeah, nepotism like hire that was probably some like senator's son that is just like this annoying guy that Felix has to bring along, and then the immediate switch to he's this traitor uh, working against you know Felix and working against Bond that sold them out and you bought him perfectly in both roles and I just thought that him in that role was great casting. Yeah, I I think for me my one of my favorite things in this I, I got to give a lot of credit to Fukunaga on this. I think this balanced um this is the best Bond movie in terms of balancing comedic elements with really serious moments um more so than anything we've seen before like you get a lot of you get some like fun moments in Casino Royale, but most of that movie is kind of dark and dour, and that's kind of the tone you get with a lot of the the Craig movies. You get that dark, dour stuff in Quantum, um, but I think this just balanced those so well. You get like the Ana de Armas as Paloma was amazing, and the Cuba scene as a whole. You had a lot of fun um, elements of that, but then it ends with you know Felix dying, and then you get some. Uh, Craig actually doing some one-liners and interacting with Nomi in, in, in great ways. And the back and forth between them is, is good. Um, and then it ends, you know, as a whole with Bond dying. And then even after that, the emotional element of it, like when Bond was dying really hit me afterwards when they were, you know, having a drink without him and do the cheers. And then it ends with um, uh, Matilde in the car with Madeline and then, uh, you know, let me tell you a story about Bond, James Bond. And then when um, we've got all the time in the world hits, it's like, oh my God, the last like 20 minutes or so of this movie was just like very emotional and it was really well done as someone who loves the franchise. And even for like, I went with my fiance and she's never seen a Bond movie before. And she was like, why am I seeing this with you? You know, like this is going to be three hours long and it's a Bond movie. Like I think a lot of people kind of look down on this franchise if they've never really watched it. And she loved it. Like she, she had a great time with it. Everything worked for her. Um, and a, a lot of the comedic moments hit for for her and the whole audience as a whole. There were a lot of laughs. The Book of Mormon line I thought was great. That was clearly Phoebe Waller-Bridge. You got a lot of that. I thought with that line and with the Nomi and Bond connection, I, I could see some of her writing in there. Um, but I think this just balanced those dark moments really well with the lighthearted moments. And it was such a good love letter to Bond because you get that whole tone if you watch the whole franchise because you get the Roger Moore movies that are more silly and goofy and you more one-liners and then you get some of the darker uh, films and this balance those well. So I think that's probably my favorite thing. But then just even as a whole, I think this movie is the first Bond movie that there are so many strong female characters. And you guys kind of highlighted that talking about it, but you get Nomi and Paloma and 
they really, really did a good job of making Madeline Swan a more, a more interesting character in this than they did Inspector. Um, that they just nailed all of those roles in this, and even um, the little bit you get with Money Penny, like they just—you've never gotten a Bond movie. You have, yeah, the outside looking in. You think of this franchise differently, but there are a surprising amount of strong female characters throughout the franchise. But we've never seen this many in one movie before. So I really liked Craig interacting with that and kind of showing that. Yeah, Bond has this whole stigma about him, like as a franchise, but this is the direction that we've gone. This is the direction we've taken it with Craig, and this is kind of, you know, the perfect summary of that. So I liked I liked those elements a lot. I loved all of the the characters introduced, even the ones like, you know, the the scientist I thought was a good element. He was like the evil Russian Dwight Schrute, I thought, because he was getting like bullied at work and then he turns on him and stuff. That's kind of what I felt about him, but he worked for me. Billy Magnuson worked for me. Um, and, you know, all the new characters they did. So I, I liked all that stuff. So I think that's like the strongest this this film had going for it. And it also had a lot of good dramatic, just mo- emotional scenes mixed with good good action sequences. I thought that was, yeah. uh, it was just balanced. And it made the two hours and 45 minutes fly by. I want to highlight that. that for sure. I think the two hours, 45 minutes flew by for me. I went into this movie and I thought like, oh God, almost three hours. This is going to be like a, a trek to get to and i think the pacing was really uh great and you got like the 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 drag of like okay you got some human beats you got some story beats but then you got the action sequence to get, carry you through that and you had like okay you got the human beats you got the character beats you got the action sequence and you had like kind of that sequence of like oh you know it's you know you're gonna get what you want whether you want the human beat you want the action beat you just gotta kind of wait and for me, I never felt like I was wasting time. I never felt like I was checking my kind of phone and thinking like, okay, are we 45 minutes left? Have we got an hour left? Have we got two hours left? Like, what do I got in this movie? For me, I thought the pacing was really fantastic. And I thought Johnny highlighted some of the side characters, but I think the side characters made this movie work so well. Like Naomi and Madeline, like if those characters hadn't paid off so well in this movie, I don't think this one time would have worked so well. Like, we spend so much time with Naomi and I really liked this scene where her and Craig are kind of walking through MI6 and they're like, Oh, double Oh seven. And they're kind of like taken back and they're like, Oh, is that, is that James Bond? Is it also Naomi? Why are they side by side? And you have this moment of, I think the trailers sold them as like these antagonistic relationships. They're like, Oh, Naomi is like this agent working against Bond and Bond's like the good guy kind of trying to fight against her. So I liked that they had this, they were allies, but they also had this antagonistic relationship between each other, but they were also very clearly on the same side of each other. So I think it was, you never felt like Bond was fighting against the side characters. I think it's easy for franchises like this where the, the core character feels like he's resisting the new characters. And for me, whether it was Anna de Armas, whether it was Lashana Lynch, those characters felt like they were coming in. They were like very welcome within the franchise. They didn't feel like they were outsiders. They didn't feel like they were shunned. I fu- I would very much love to see like a Lashasha Lynch Anna Darmus sequel movie or a spinoff yes. or something like that. That would be what I would begin for for like a next direction for James Bond. I think those two characters are right for more stories. I agree. Yeah, Nomi Paloma. That's the spinoff. I'd love it like a, a series eight episodes or whatever of them going on missions together and being like the new bond and Felix um, would be awesome. 
I agree with that. That's something I was thinking about, and you said it. Um, yeah, that would be great. I'd be thing down I want to highlight before I go, a couple of things I really loved that this movie did was you had two of these moments that really stuck out to me afterwards that revealed, and it changed the whole meaning of scenes. Because the first one is M saying, we need, like, where where's 007, or you, we need to call it 007, and yeah. then it immediately cuts to James Bond. And then you realize that's not who M was referring to. He was talking about Nomi. She's the new 007. So you get a new meaning behind that scene when you get that reveal. And when you go back and watch it, you know, you know the different meaning behind it. And the other one is um, when Rami Malek's character, Saffron or whatever, meets up with Madeline. And they have that meeting, um, which is probably my favorite scene from Rami Malek in the whole movie. I like that better than his interaction with Craig. But I liked their little interaction in the office, and it ended with, you know, I can make this happen to the person you love most. And it immediately cuts to James Bond, so that's who you think they're talking about. But then it's revealed that she has a daughter, and that's obviously who he is threatening in that scene. But it changes your uh, perception on that, and the movie does that intentionally to kind of, you, kind of throw you off of what comes next. And I think they did a good job um, with that in terms of the writing and the, the direction with that. So I, I really yeah. like... I love those scenes because they meant more as the movie progressed and you go back and you think about these. Um, and then I just love as a huge fan, like we talked about in the bracket of honor Majesty's secret service. And I think that now gets looked back on as one of the most underrated of the franchises or of the whole franchise. I, I love that they use the all the time in the world. Um, it basically confirmed to me that Greg was dying and I didn't want to, completely accept that until later in the movie but as soon as he was in the car with Madeline said we have all the time in the world I was like they're gonna kill Bond like as soon as he said it and then it just played out that way and then they actually played the song at the end over the credits I thought that was just a beautiful encapsulation of everything um so I really like the use of that that's a that's a great song and it fit better I think in this movie even than it than it did in its original use I thought it was a really touching finale it really kind of like tied back in mm-hmm. in the meta way. It felt like this whole movie was kind of meta in a way. It was like examining like, oh, does Bond have a place? Is he really like, does he have a role in a modern society? And I think the finale kind of tied together like this really meta sense of like, oh, we had this one movie that was in a way a cultural miss at the time it came out. But in hindsight, it's been really retroactively praised and I felt like it was a way in a meta way of a saying like, oh, you guys tried to do this human story of Bond. You guys tried to do this. Uh, Bond has this wife and it all falls apart story. And you, for some whatever reason, contextually in the society that it came out in, the time it came out in, the movie culture came out, it didn't work. And I like that they were very uh, obvious about paying tribute to the movies that inspired them. Uh, I like that it was very much like, oh yeah, you guys brought us here. And what Dalton, I think, is a, a bond that inspired Craig very directly. And I think Dalton, you can see the DNA of Dalton's bond in Craig's performance, the hu- very human, the very dark, the very kind of like vicious performance of bond that we get out of Craig. So for me, this movie was Craig going out on a high note and saying like, yeah, I'm going to go out, but I'm also going to pay tribute to the performances that brought me here to especially Dalton to especially the the Lazenby like the offshoots the the characters that were kind of like you know Bond but what if you know and I think Craig is kind of that like you know Bond but what if he was this other character 
this movie felt like an overall tribute to like the what if bonds so for me that worked really well as just an overall tribute to these bonds that were maybe forgotten in time maybe maybe dropped by the fandom but craig was the one who pursued and said like yeah they didn't like me but i'm gonna do it anyway fuck you and <laughs> i'm gonna make like some of the best movies of the whole franchise and people are gonna love me anyway and I like that a lot about the character and, and the performance in particular. All right, and, uh, and I'm gonna get going. I was, was gonna ask quick, Johnny so. before you go, uh, what what were your thoughts on them including the uh, title in the movie when uh, Nomi uh, asked the scientist, she's like, "Do you know what time it is?" And he says, "No," and she immediately says, "Time to die," and kicks him into that acid water tank. I laughed out loud, and not because it didn't work in the movie, but because I immediately was like. I cannot wait for Joe to see this movie specifically for this line because that is the one that he was predicting from the beginning. Joe called that out that it would that it would be said in the movie and it pretty much in the way that it played out. So yeah, I predicted you know, it would have been Craig and the main villain, but it was instead Nomi and the uh, the like henchman scientist guy. But either way, I was so happy. I don't know why I didn't include that in favorite <laughs> moments because that was my favorite moment of the movie. Is then oh, yeah. no time to die. Yeah, I, I would have been bummed if we if I left before we talked about that because yeah, immediately as soon as that line happened, I uh, I thought of Joe for sure. So that was that was great. Um, the one last thing I'll say before I go um, is just that if you've seen No Time to Die and you haven't really checked out the franchise, all of the movies have uh, just got put on Amazon. So oh, if you great. Amazon Prime, you know. check out, um, yeah, after you guys just both watched them. Yep. But if you guys either were iffy on this movie as and not really Bond fans and check this out, or if you saw the movie and maybe only seen the Craig movies, you have pretty much free access. You know, most people have all the streaming services nowadays. Check out all the movies on Amazon Prime. They're on there. It's easy access now. We haven't had all the bonds on one streaming service, I don't think ever. So they're easier to find now. I, re- I recommend checking them out um, because this this is, there are some, like people think about Bond as a franchise if they haven't seen it in different ways. And I think if you actually check it out and watch the movies and just see the progression of filmmaking that has happened through these and the impact this has had on other movies and from other movies. And it's just a great encapsulation of, of the film culture as a whole uh, sent from the sixties till now. So I, I, I check it out. I, I would uh, recommend just watching those. And then I will say, uh, sorry for anyone who watched the bracket episode and got spoiled by uh, the ending boom, by my prediction. Cause I said, bond is going to get the virus and he's going to sacrifice himself to save the world. I didn't know the family stuff would be impacted in there, but um, I listened to it after watching the movie and I was like, yeah, that's pretty much exactly how it played mm-hmm. out. And I do think this was the closest we've seen to a Mission Impossible movie. Not as much tone-wise. Like, I thought there'd maybe be bigger stunt scenes. Um, But, like, the magnetic floor falling into the elevator shaft and stuff like that, I thought was very reminiscent of, like, the modern-day Mission Impossible stuff. So you saw that influence. So I'm excited to see what they do next and where they go. And I'm excited to see you two battle it out next time we can get um, all four of us together we're going to do yeah, our, tell, uh, our tell, Bond episode. So I'm looking forward to, to that. Tell Bobby uh, to finish up his kitchen, you know? You asked some questions for Johnny before you leave, though. I want to see – you're the all-time Bond fan, so I want to have three questions for you. Theoretically simple okay. questions, but 
where does Craig rank among your overall bonds? Now that we've like got to the finale of Craig, Craig is over. We have no more Craig movies. Where is he among your bond ranking? Craig's my number one. Um, and he was before this movie, but even just getting the full encapsulation of him as bond, I think that solidifies that to me because he's the only one that I can put on every movie, even his week one, like Spectre. I still get a lot of enjoyment out of most of that movie. Every other Bond I can point to is like, yeah, they made one or two weak movies um, or ones that don't, you know, stick with me as much. So I think Craig just has the overall um, strongest track record. But I do think a lot of that is because we got those Bonds in the past and he did something different with it and never tried to copy any of the other Bonds. So I think that's pretty much why he's my favorite. And I was 12 or 13 when I saw Casino Royale in theaters. It was the first Bond movie I saw. So to me, Craig is my is my bond even though i grew up in the 90s and pierce brosnan was always the one i you know recognized this bond craig is has been my bond since you know casino royale pretty much and where do you rank this right, among next... the craig bonds because we've gotten a handful of really divisive and all you're a big quantum of solace fan so where do you rank this among the, the list of craig bonds now i said this kind of in the bracket but i kind of view casino royale and quantum because i can't watch one without the other uh anymore I kind of view those as like Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. So that's my 1 and 2. It's Christina Royale, then Quantum. And then this one is right there with Skyfall. And I think it's going to just change places at 3 with Skyfall back and forth of, you know, whatever I watch last is probably going to be my my favorite. But I can't wait to have this one like on streaming or on Blu-ray and just watch those back to back and see which one um, impacts me more. But I think I think it's probably... Right now, it's it's between like three and four, and then Spectre is much lower, um, and than those. Okay, my last question was: I sat through the Skyfall. I sat through the credits of this movie, and I waited till the end, and I said maybe they'll give me a tease of what's next. And and the last thing they gave me was text on the screen that said James Bond will return. So, what's next, Johnny? You're an all-time lifelong fan of Bond. Where do they go from here? Bond is dead. What's next? Do they reboot entirely? Is it an entirely new cast? James new Bond Q, new in M, heaven, new everything? fighting people. Or do we kind of go with like, uh, you know, out of the armies, uh, Lashana Lynch? Do we kind of go from this universe onto something else, or do we entirely reboot all new, all beginning new from ground zero to new? I think the way that I could see it going because this movie, um it didn't have as big of an opening as, as like Spectre and Skyfall did, but I think a lot of people are going to find that they love these characters. Like we talked about since Amazon owns um, the Bond franchise. Now I would hope that they do like a spinoff series with some of the characters from this and you get the return of, uh, of um, Ana de Armas and you get the return of Latasha Lynch. Um, I would love that in a series but i think since you killed off bond i i think the way they're going to go next time you see bond in theaters everything is rebooted you don't get ray fines back as m which i would have maybe thought they would just carry him over like they did with judy dench but now that you killed craig you can't bring anyone of these people back into, yeah. into your um movie franchise unless bond's not in your franchise so maybe they do a spin-off movie with those other characters but if they just reboot bond and he's back I think you're not going to get like the first mission type Casino Royale. I think you're just going to go right into what the old movies were, and it's just going to be Bond on a mission 
from the start. And I'm interested to see where they go with it. My choice would be Andrew Koji, but I don't think they're going to go that way. But just looking at what they have now of, you know, what the Bond franchise has always been is bringing in like what's popular now. Let's make our films like that. I think Andrew Koji would be a great Bond to get into more of the Asian culture that you're seeing in a lot of these movies coming out, whether it's Shang-Chi or um, even the Raid movies getting popularity or Parasite winning Best Picture um, or even like uh, you see a lot of that in uh, The Eternals with Marvel. So I think that's the way the film Mm -hmm industry is going so i'd like it to go that direction now will they do that i don't know i think you're just gonna get after all this speculation and all these people predicting new bonds i think it will be just another british white dude being bond i just hope they choose the right guy um to do it and i think that i have faith that they will because they have yet to choose a bond actor that didn't work for me so i i have faith that whoever they choose will end up good whether there's a big backlash or not you know, when they announce it. So, yeah. but I think it's going to go right into Bonds on a Mission with regular old James Bond, but it's maybe going to be a little more, you saw some in this movie, it's going to have more sci-fi, more gadgets, more of that stuff than like the, you saw with the, with the Craig franchise, yeah. which is more grounded. Right. So I think that's, that's where I see it going. But on that note, I got to go take care of my puppy. I got a little white puppy named Philly. Um, and I'm going to be like Blofeld sitting. Uh, he's going to be in my lap for every episode we do from now on hopefully if he uh if he if he is better so i'll just be hopefully not as aggressively as donald pleasance um <laughs> just petting my dog but she got a hairless cat like you to listen to this back and you know they have him with hair now but yeah that was a great line you know they make those with hair now but yeah and then no, i gotta go but you guys continue right. to talk about it and uh tell me what you guys think uh you know where you want the franchise to I go. Think we'll, I think we'll. I think we'll have five ideas of so. where we want this franchise to go. Exactly. Potentially on the uh, next episode. So I don't want to give too many of my thoughts away. There you go. Give away as much as you can. All right. See you guys. All right. See you, Johnny. All right, Tristan. So if uh, Steven Spielberg was tapped to direct the next Bond, what, what's he doing? You know, he Spielberg is all about scope. He's all about scale. He's going to go for something big. I think No Time to Die is a good fit for him, honestly. I think he would go for that, like, grand finale type thing, you know? Like, mm-hmm. we've had 25 Bond movies. What the actual fuck? How did we get to that many movies? And, like, Is I it think... 24 too many, you know? Did we just need to make Dr. No and be like, we did it. We made a Bond movie. Next we thing. We made one. It was pretty good, you know? Yeah. We... It was, it was up there among the ones. Right. What, what do you want to talk about with Bond? We've covered a lot with Johnny. We've been talking for 54 minutes. Look, we're both new to Bond, so I'm really curious for you as an outsider. I know you're a big Craig fan, so I want to know for you, like, what it I do feels think... to Bond as a, an observer? Like, what what does Bond mean to you? Define Bond for me as an, a newcomer. I'll give my definition after years, but I want to know as, as two outsiders, what does Bond mean to you as a newcomer to the franchise? All right. Uh, it's, I haven't thought about it, so this is more going to be on-the-fly thoughts, but I think based like a lot of what Johnny was saying is Bond takes a lot of what's popular in films and kind of encapsulates it and you know does its own take on it. And so I think... I think Bond is in this weird way like a pop cultural nexus. Like you can see, you can kind of uh, 
like I heard someone once say that the story of America is, uh, or the story of boxing is the story of America. You can always see who was basically the poorest people, the bottom level people in America, based on who the top boxers were. Because the only way you could be a top boxer was like have that level of drive to like get your face punched in that many times and fight, have to fight all of these people. And I think. Bond is kind of that way of it's it's a reflection on the world. You can see what's going on in the world world at a time by what was happening in Bond at that time. Like oh, like black exploitation movies are popular. Oh, let's make a black exploitation Bond. Oh, like these kind of realistic uh, action movies are popular. Whether it's the Jason Bourne movies or even like the Dark Knight and Batman Begins, then you can look at the Daniel Craig movies and as. You look at, oh, like Star Wars is getting more popular with the sci-fi element. You have the Fast and the Furious catching second wind. You have all of, you know, Mission Impossible. You have the MCU as that's gaining more and more traction with these kind of sci-fi elements in action movies. What does Bond do? It reintegrates the sci-fi elements back into what was a basically realistic uh, Bond franchise. And it's like... uh a lot of the Timothy Dalton movies were a reflection of those late 80s action movies like Die Hard. So I think that's what Bond is. It's a nexus of pop culture. You can see what was happening in pop culture, in film at the time, based on what the James Bond movies are. So I think that's what James Bond movies are. It's a reflection of the movies themselves because you can always see what was going on in movies when those movies came out, when the, each Bond came out. And so that's what it is to me. Yeah, for me, Bond is like the classiest version of movies. It's like, sure, you get the connected tissue, you get like, oh, this movie is part of this continuity and this continuity and this continuity and all it ties together. But you get that British kind of classy, very like elevated. He's smooth. He's talking his way into things. And I think Bond has that perfect mesh of he's this spy thriller dark kind of Daniel Craig, Timothy Dalton take on a character who's very much this broken man who's been spent and who's been broken, who's who's taken his entire life and put it towards this political goal and broken himself. And you also have this kind of goofy, fun guy who's enjoying his life as a spy and living it up, having sex with a bunch of women and all that kind of stuff and Throughout the entire franchise, Bond has been a contrast of those two ideas. Like, is Bond a spy thriller, or is he like a wish fulfillment, hot British guy has sex with hot British women kind of story? And it's been a really great adventure throughout all of these movies, and just seeing how each movie kind of balances both of those ideas. Yeah. And and I think it is more possible than Johnny thinks that like Andrew Koji or someone who isn't white plays the next Bond because what's one of the number one topics in movie right now it's like oh we gotta add diversity add diversity so I think maybe particularly maybe Bond will be white but I wouldn't be surprised if like some like we already saw like African American well not African American but African descendant Money Penny with uh, Naomi Harris uh, we saw like I wouldn't be surprised if the next M is played by like Ben Kingsley or someone of, you know, uh, basically a non-white person, a Q who's a non-white person, uh, another M that's maybe another non-white. So I think, I think the next Bond franchise will have a lot more diversity to it. 
Yeah, I think diversity has been very present, especially in these last couple of Bond movies. And it shows that it doesn't have to be forced. Like, anyone can be any race at yeah. any time. Like, M doesn't have to be yeah. any race. Q doesn't have to be any race. Q could race be a woman. And... They could be like, hey, the next Q... I mean, we've already seen a M with Judy Dench. They could be the next Q is... I don't know. Anybody else, you know, a woman... And I don't want to brush over the fact that Q got canon confirmed as gay, or yeah. at least like LGBT. Which isn't, which is a surprise because the actor is gay himself. So with uh, Ben Wishaw, so not not a big shocker. But inter- I mean, I want I want to say interesting, but like just a direction nice. they went, I guess. Yeah, nice. Nice <laughs> is a good adjective. I was like, I don't really know what adjective. It's not like amazing. Well, they made Q gay, like whatever. But yeah. You know, I mean, this whole movie, and I think we're going to have an interesting kind of reaction to this movie. I'm curious. I haven't seen a lot of the internet response to this. Oh, film, I have. But... I, I, I would have talked more about that, but Johnny had to go. Uh, a lot of people angry about them killing off Bond. That's the big thing I've seen. A lot of people upset about that. And I think a lot of people are dumb. Uh, and A, don't realize, because I know like pretty much all of the Bond movies up until Daniel Craig were supposed to be one continuity, and then Daniel Craig was the hard reset of that continuity. Um, and I, A, I don't think people realize that. B, I think people think that because they killed off James Bond in this movie that they're just like not going to make any more Bond movies. Like, I saw people, like, on Reddit, especially, like, the thread for this movie, like, confused. They're like, they killed Bond, but they said James Bond will return in the post, you know, the post-credit thing. They're like, how can you bring Bond back if he died? And, like, are they going to have, oh, he escaped the explosion? Like, that's dumb. Why have him die in the explosion if you're just going to bring him back? It's like, you realize, like... Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man isn't the same as Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, who also isn't the same as Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like, you can just do the same thing with James Bond. Like, the Michael Keaton Batman is not the Christian Bale Batman. It's not the Ben Affleck Batman. It's not the Robert Robert Pattinson Batman. Mm -hmm. Like, you can do the same thing with Bond. You can kill him, and then three years later, oh, look, Andrew Koji is Bond. And For me, the Craig cool movie set up that great potential of, like, you can give an origin story, a beginning, a middle, and an end of your but character. I'm, like, but, but you I'm, can start the origin story, you can give the adventures of Bond, you can give the finale, and then you can recast. Like, yeah. But <laughs> I, I'd be okay with... I, I, I do think it'd be interesting if the Bonds followed that track record going forward of, like, telling a story with each Bond, but I don't need each one to be a beginning, middle, and end. Like, you can have, like, if the next movie is Andrew Koji, I'm just going to use him as an example, Andrew Koji is Bond, and he's Ben Bond. Like, we're not, or he's Ben 007. Like, this is not a 007 origin story to start with, but maybe he discovers, um, like, Dr. No. He discovers Dr. No exists, or you know, some other villain. And maybe we're like, okay, we've done, we just had Blofeld as kind of this main villain in the last couple Bonds. So maybe his arc is all about defeating Dr. No. Like the first movie you hear like this name, Dr. No, but he has to beat this henchman. And the second one, maybe you, you know, you kind of follow the Star Wars formula. Second one, maybe you see him, but it's a quick glimpse and he has to defeat this other like guy that's like the main Dr. No henchman. And then the third one, 
Dr. No is your big bad, your main villain that James Bond has to fight and take down. He defeats Dr. No. The big villain's been defeated. Andrew Koji rides off into the sunset, and you've had a full arc of James Bond movies, but it's you still have that beginning, middle, and end, but it's not like, okay, the origin of Bond, the adventures of Bond, the death of Bond. Because I think if they did that again, I would be like, we just got this. I don't need this again. Yeah, I think this sets up the franchise for a lot of really interesting directions. Like, they can do a one-off Bond. They can be like, oh, what if Idris Elba was Bond for one movie? Like, (laughs) you can do one movie that's a cool thing, and or you can do, like, a trilogy that's a cool thing. And I think the fact that it killed off Bond really gives him, like, a definitive end to be like, okay, this is it now. Like, we can do whatever we want from here on out, and... I really like the anthology aspect of the character and the fact that they recast the character every couple of movies. And this movie, the most leaned into that element of the anthology of the fact that this is the one actor's take on the character for the one time and that's it. And we get the beginning and we get the end and then you guys kind of go whatever from that. And I do very much expect the next Bond to pick up and it's kind of in the middle of his run his bond he's just doing missions you know i don't expect another origin story i think we're gonna get a bond right in the middle of it and then whatever arc they want to go on from that but i think this movie very much for me the reason i love it so much is because it it ends the arc of craig it really gives you like a finale it lets it feel like you built to something you're not just building to another sequel but you're not just going up to this movie and it's like oh every scene is like a setup for the next movie or every especially in the third act, it becomes like, oh, here's every other movie that's coming up after it. But this movie is not that. This movie is, this is the end. This is the finale for your character. Sure, we're going to probably go on with a couple of the characters, but that's not what this movie is about. This movie is about ending that character's run. And that is what this movie is. It's the finale to Craig's Bond. And that's all it's interested in doing. Yeah, one of the things I was going to ask Johnny, and I completely forgot I'm going to text him uh, when we're done here to get his thoughts, but I'll ask you, is in the scene where Spectre gets wiped out, they were like kind of panning across different people, and each and some of them were giving me vibes of villains we've seen before in previous movies. Like there was a guy that like was giving me Oric Goldfinger vibes, and there was a guy that was giving me Doctor No vibes, and they were just like various guys throughout the movie giving me vibes of like different Bond villains, and I'm like, are these supposed, like, am I just reading too much into this, or is this supposed to be kind of like, like, that guy is supposed to be Oric Goldfinger. How would you have felt watching the movie if they had done, like, face mapping technology, and like, you, and like, it would have, I think would have been pretty much flawless, it wouldn't have looked weird, but like, they pan across the room and you're like, holy shit, that's Oric Goldfinger from Goldfinger. That guy is liter- like legitimately the Dr. No from Dr. No. Like, would that have taken you out of it? What What would be your thoughts on that? I think that's kind of what Craig's Bonds have been building for. Like, better or worse, they're building towards this shared universe. They're building towards the fact that everything is kind of building towards one thing. And it, it might have caught me off guard for a second to be like oh that's literally goldfinger like that's literally dr no like you know i think that might have caught me for a second but i like that specter moment i think whether it's literally those villains i think it is like theoretically those villains you know i think it's theoretically them killing off specter and, and kind of moving to a finale for bond so i think that works and i i definitely recognize some 
references to previous characters. I didn't necessarily take it as literal, but I thought like, oh, that's kind of like a reference to the fact that they're killing off the old and bringing in the new. And it's like this genuine finale to all of Bond. Yeah. Yeah. All right, anything else you got to say? We've been talking for about an hour and seven minutes. I thought it was a really fun movie. I mean, I'm new to Bond, so I don't have the nostalgia for it. But for me, this kind of brought it back to the previous movies in a way that didn't feel invasive, didn't feel over cumbersome. You know, I didn't feel like I had to watch everything to get this plot. But I also felt like watching everything added to this plot. Like, I... I don't think I would have gotten so much out of this movie if I hadn't watched everything else before it. So I'm really glad that I did. It was a really s- satisfying binge. Uh, we spent like a month and a half now binging Bond and it was kind of all building to this moment. Yep. And I walked into the theater and I sat down and I thought like, man, I don't know if this is going to live up to a month of build up watching 24 movies previously to this. And it, actually did and i'm really impressed by that and i can't wait to see where it goes from here i think it was a really great finale to craig's bond a great finale to bond overall first time we've gotten the finale so clean slate where did you go from here it was a fun time to binge through and get to the what feels like the end so we got to the finale joe and we made it and who knows what's here from what goes from here but it was a fun ride all right, and I I can't wait to pitch against you and Bond and hear what Johnny and Bobby have to say about our future takes on Bond and uh, where the Bond franchise should go. Hopefully, hopefully we can uh, do it this week or next week rather. Um, hopefully it goes my direction, I'm saying. No, no, I'm going to beat you three to nothing, and then they're just going to say, oh, Tristan just got his shit kicked in. We can't, we can't, we can't allow this to go on, and they just stop the match early. Uh, that's Look, just Joe, I'll, give you, I'll give you like one or two rounds, maybe. Like I'll give you one not, round to like feel you're good, not or maybe like my, a second round to like make it fun. You're not beating my pitches, man. That's just how it is. Like you, you get maybe two. I'll, I'll, I'll two. get three, and they'll just end it. They'll be like, oh yeah, well, no point in doing these other two, Joe. One. So uh, I think, uh, without further ado, uh. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.